This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, this is Bennett Kelly. Thanks for listening to Cyber Law and Business Report. Before you take a recess to hear the latest internet law news and commentary, you are hereby ordered to download the Webmaster Radio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Okay, maybe not ordered, but why not? You can listen live to my show and all our show hosts every day on our live stream or download past episodes with ease. So download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes store or in the Google Play store. It's an open and shut case. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and this is Bennett Kelly. Um, welcome to another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report, broadcast live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach, Santa Monica, California. And um, we've got another great show for you, so please be seated. Um, we are now in session. And in the first segment, um, we have probably the, uh, I think I consider him one of the, the top um, um, scholars on internet law today, and um, he's also one of the, the leading bloggers as well. And we have Eric Goldman, who's the director, he's a professor at the Santa Clara University um, School of Law and director of their High Tech Law Institute. And uh, we talked to him earlier in the week about some recent court cases, um, one of which involves um, in court invalidating Zappos's terms and conditions and how many um, websites make the same mistake that Zappos made. So we have an interesting discussion with Eric coming up in a few minutes. And then when we come back, there's an innovative new e-commerce product that we're going to be talking about um, called Inside. And we're going to talk with the, the creator and the founder um, and Hadar Paz uh, with Inside. And um, we, we have a link to the um, product on the um, Facebook page, and um, we're going to post it in a minute on the blog, and you might want to check it out because it's uh, definitely going to revolutionize how um, e-commerce sites um, deal with their customers. It's a way to look inside your store um, from an e-commerce store. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting show ahead. Um, so we, first, we're going to start off with Eric Goldman, and um, this is pre-recorded, so I'm afraid if you have questions on the um, chat room, we can't add them at this time. But um, Eric's been a great friend of the show, so hopefully we'll have him back again. Our Here's first guest today is Eric Goldman. He's been a friend of the show. We've had him on before. He is um, probably one of the most renowned professors in internet law um, today, and um, he's becoming more famous with his new blog on um, Forbes, Tertium Quid. And Eric, it's great to have you on, and um, thanks for, for coming. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your new blog and how you came up with the name? 
<laughs> uh, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Uh, the uh, blog uh, is called uh, Tertium Quid, or actually, I think in Latin it's Tertium Quid, um, but I'm not a Latin expert. Um, and uh, it mean, has dual meanings. Uh, first, uh, it's a third blog of mine. I have my normal professional blog at blog.derekgoldman.org. I have a personal blog at uh, that same URL slash personal. Um, and this is a third thing, another uh, audience for me to cater to. So uh, tertium quid means some other third thing, and this blog is some other third thing. It's also an inside joke for uh, trademark practitioners because uh, tertium quid uh, was a reference that uh, Justice Scalia made in uh, one of the trade dress cases, saying that he could divide things into product packaging, product design, and maybe there was some other third thing, and nobody really knows what that is. And so uh, for those familiar with the reference in the uh, opinion, um, it's a little bit of an inside joke. So you're the third man, or the, the, some, other, some other third thing, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Eric, I wanted to have you on to talk about uh, a recent ruling you blogged about in in Zappos, and um, which offers, we were talking offline, offers a lot of lessons, I think, for those in the space. And uh, the, it was a ruling we basically found that their um, browse wrap agreement was unenforceable. Tell us how that came about. So um, Zappos uh, had a massive data leak, um, a security breach, um, and as usual in those cases, the um, uh, plaintiff's lawyers swarm all over uh, the uh, party that leaked the data. Um, and uh, Zappos tried to pull all of those lawsuits into arbitration using uh, an arbitration clause in its uh, user agreement. Um, and in fact, uh, not only would uh, that have had certain benefits um, for Zappos generally, um, but in arbitration, it probably would have destroyed the ability of the parties to have a class action, and so it would have ended the lawsuits in practice. Um, so the arbitration clause was quite important, but it was locked in a uh, contract that was not presented to users as what I call a mandatory non-leaky click-through agreement, something that users must affirmatively assent to uh, in order to uh, uh, complete their transaction or otherwise reach their destination. So the court was asked to enforce this arbitration clause in a contract that wasn't presented in the normal way we see them online, and the court said it wasn't going to do it. And you know, your you, your blog does a great job of kind of laying it out because you actually show, um, you know, what the court looked at. And um, in this case, in and just to give the users kind of a reference, um, we're not talking about a case where, um, you know, there was a a clear you know, right by registration. There was you agree to these terms and service, or there was no checkbox. Actually, it was it was hidden, all practically at the bottom of the page. And um, it wasn't really – it was – I believe you said and if you printed it out, it was on the third page of the printout. Uh, yeah, that's the way that the parties uh, argued it. And uh, when I went uh, to uh, the page myself now, um, it was effectively invisible for users. There just was no chance of them seeing it. And, and so um, you know, how many companies today use – rely on browse wraps for important agreements um, well, there are many uh, websites that uh, present terms in a browse wrap format in the sense that they say things like, by using this website, you agree to the terms. Or right. they will simply have links at the, in the footer or somewhere else on the page that says, 
uh, terms of use or user agreement or some other uh, similar vernacular. Right. Uh, but they don't do anything more to actually get users to commit to them. Um, the flagship example, and someone who's done it for for 15 years, is eBay. They say at the bottom of their page in uh, small type, use of this website equals agreement to our user agreement. Um, but you ask the question, how many sites rely upon uh, browser apps? And I think very few sites actually rely upon those implementations. Most of the time, uh, people in the industry know if you actually want to go into court and enforce your agreement, you better do something more than just have that footer at the bottom. So I think the footer at the bottom is more like a, a, like a fail-safe, like a might-help-can't-hurt kind of thing. Right. Um, but I don't think many people rely on it. If someone's on my site and does something bad, I have that as a you know to give me a remedy. But you know, I imagine I've I haven't been on eBay in a while. My apologies to my friends in the eBay legal department. But you know, if I did a transaction through eBay, I imagine there would be something that I click or something where I, I acknowledge and, and agree to their terms and conditions. In order to create an account, which is required both to list items and to bid on items, you'd have to go through a mandatory uh, non-leaky click-through agreement. So the only people who might be bound, and I put that in quotes, uh, bound uh, by eBay's browser app would be people who haven't bid and haven't uh, listed. And I'm not sure what those people are going to be suing over anyway. Um, so, uh, but going back to then to Zappos, Zappos, um, same kind of deal. They could have bound every buyer, everyone who submitted personal information to Zappos, uh, to a mandatory non-leaky click-through when they concluded the transaction, where they said, buy this item. Uh, they could have said something like, by uh, clicking on the buy button, you agree to the following terms. Um, so somehow it fell through the cracks at Zappos. They they had all the right language. They had the ability to do a click-through, but they didn't put it together. And it's interesting because I'm looking at the, the, the site, and they have you know, subscribe to our weekly shameless plug, and it has the entry for the information. And then it says respect our privacy. We, we don't rent or sell. And it just says read our privacy policy. I mean, there would be a perfect place to have a, just a simple, you know, by submitting this, you agree to our privacy policy in terms of conditions. But I'm not even sure you need that for people who subscribe to an email list. Again, I'm not sure what those people might be suing you for. But you're absolutely right. It's that easy to create mandatory non-leaky click-through agreements, things that people have agreed to that can stand up in court. And so it's perplexing whenever we see people who have a chance but don't, and Zappos is one of them. Well, in terms of what would they be suing us for? Well, if we had a data breach, for example, <laughs> might be one thing, um, as Zappos was, was experiencing at the time. Now, well, that's a fair point with an email list, right? So they yeah. could have a mandatory non-leaky click-through that just covers the risk of the uh, data breach with respect to the email addressing. <laughs> now, Zappos made another um, error with the court that is actually a fairly common error. And um, regarding um, amending and arbitration, can you tell us a little bit about that? So, in addition to their contract formation problem that they didn't properly present the user agreement to get people to agree to it, the court said there was another reason why the agreement was going to fail. Zappos's uh, agreement had a provision that said we can change this agreement at any time if we'd like, um, and uh, the court said that those clauses are problematic. Um, it called the the provisions illusory, um, and we can talk more about the the, the magic term illusory in contract law if we want. Um, but the 
court basically said uh, that by reserving that power to change the contract whenever Zappos wanted, um, it meant that uh, Zappos could amend the arbitration clause whenever it wanted, which means that they could eliminate arbitration if they didn't feel like it, or they could keep it in place if they felt like it. And uh, the court said that's too much discretion on the part of a party. And so uh, having the, the mere presence of this clause that said they could amend whenever they wanted actually doomed the entire contract. It, it, it caused the entire contract to fail. Those clauses are ubiquitous in contracts online. Um, I dare you to find one of the, the, the top 500 websites that doesn't have a clause like that. Right. And, uh, and yet, this opinion stands for the proposition that all those contracts could fail if challenged. But the provisions usually say um, something like, we'll post them and they'll go, be in effect 30 days from now or something like that. And, and and so that you're, there actually is some period of time where you can um, decide whether you want to be bound by it. But it, even even then, though, it's still the same principle that one person is unilaterally changing relationship without any say by the other party. Well, there's three different aspects of it that we could break apart and, and analyze independently. One, uh, can uh, the uh, website initiate a change to the user agreement unilaterally and to say, okay, it's time to change it. Two, right. how are they going to notify the user to tell the user that they are trying to impose these new terms? And then three, what, if anything, does the user have to do before they're bound by the terms? The classic uh, uh, clause that we see online is, we can amend this agreement whenever we feel like it. We can do that by posting the website on the site, and you're bound by it by the, uh, the moment that we post it. No action on your part required. Those clauses that, that give, don't give users any notice and that don't um, uh, require users to, to signal their assent to it, those clauses could be toxic to the contracts. Now, that's, that's, that's an important thing for people to be aware of just because of, the, the as you said, the ubiquity of it. Um, so how would, how would you recommend people go about it? Well, so uh, uh, amending a user agreement is a very tricky thing. Um, because the basic rules from contract law are quite clear. You can't unilaterally amend a contract. You have to have uh, offer acceptance and consideration, the standard uh, troika requirements for a contract. You also have to have that troika for uh, an amendment to a contract. Um, so the further that websites get away from offer acceptance consideration for the amendment, the less likely it's going to work in court. Now, um, I will say this. Uh, I have not quite figured out how to get people to agree to new amended terms, um, given that many users never come back to a website and right. that users, when they are notified of this option, might balk and you might actually shrink your user base, something that most websites won't do. But I think that the main piece is with respect to notice and the ability to at least opt out in a meaningful way from any new provisions. So, for example, you could imagine something that says, uh, we're going to give you notice every time we amend it. Not just say it's your responsibility to check our website, but actually provide affirmative notice to users. These are the new terms. And then you could say things like, you can cancel your account the following way, and you will be made whole. We're not going to hold on to any of your money. We're not right. going to hold on to your data. You'll be able to walk away from this contract if you don't like the new terms. Or uh, you could say, uh, as PayPal just did with its new arbitration clause, they said, um, you can object to the arbitration clause. We will not have a bind on you, but you have to send us a letter in the physical mail by U.S. Postal Service telling us that you've chosen to object uh, to that term. Um, so it's an opt-out with an onerous formality. The users have to jump through a hoop in order to opt-out, but at least users do have an opt-out, and that has a much higher likelihood of succeeding in court. 
Okay, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll have Eric Goldman from Santa Clara University Law School after these messages. You're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of Internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. SES Chicago 2012 returns to the Hyatt Regency in Chicago, November 12th to the 16th. Experience three days of breakout sessions, meet the expert roundtables, workshops, on-site training from the Click Z Academy, and more. Join us for SES Chicago 2012, November 12th to the 16th. Log on to SESConference.com and register today. That's SESConference.com. WebmasterRadio.fm Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. Um, we're here with Eric Goldman um, from Santa Clara University Law School. And um, so, Eric, um, one thing that you've been very vocal about is um, laws um, that bump up against the um, Communications and Decency Act. In fact, you um, you wrote recently about the um, the Washington State laws trying to deal with Backpage. And uh, in the blog, you referenced that you, you were going to address whether or not um, – you know, the, the, kind of the follies of, in, in general, of state laws that try to regulate the internet. You know, could could you comment on that briefly? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot moving uh, in that question there. Uh, so, uh, let me just start with a basic principle um, that state level regulation of the internet doesn't make sense because packets don't respect state borders. There's no way for users to easily segregate. I'm sorry. There's no way for websites to easily segregate. Um, their user bases by geography in a reliable way. Um, now, they could ask users uh, where they're located, and users might even tell them. Um, but many websites don't want to ask that information. Users get nervous about geographic reporting, and um, uh, and uh, in many cases, if you just want users to, to read the website, for example, um, you're not going to ask them about the geography at all. 
Um, so uh, the starting point I have is that there's no easy way for users to be able to figure out, um, I'm sorry, there's no easy way for websites to be able to figure out uh, where their users are located. And as a result, they can't decide, am I going to transact with users in a particular state because they don't have a way of figuring out who's from that state and somewhere else. So my starting hypothesis is that it doesn't make any websites for us to have a state-based or state-level regulation of the Internet because there's no way for websites to actually figure out who's in the Internet, uh, who's from that state or not. Um, so uh, that's starting point number one. Um, and, and then also a code to that would be, since they don't know where the users are, they don't know where it is they need to engage on a policy level. It's a due process point. Well, and so, yes, let's talk now about the next point, which is um, uh, that state legislators often have a very low knowledge about Internet. Uh, about the Internet. They often don't understand the Internet. Um, in California, for example, the most powerful state legislators are the agricultural legislators, uh, you know, the people from uh, the farm uh, counties. And um, whenever they start mucking around with the Internet, they just don't know what they're doing. Um, it's no, no offense. It's just they've got other specialization. Um, so we Plus, see you have state- term limits, too. They, they change every six years. You've got you've got term limits. Uh, you've got uh, the fact that uh, the the lobbying uh, in state uh, legislatures is not nearly as um, developed as it is at the federal level, which means that um, there's not always a, a special interest to counterbalance a particular special interest. So it's quite easy for a special interest to capture the ear of the legislature in ways that would not be possible at the federal level because there's just more people paying attention at the federal level. And in California, for example, it's not uncommon for legis- uh, for lobbyists to write the law and hand it off to legislators and say, please go and promulgate this. Uh, so um, uh, so uh, companies uh, often don't pay attention to states, especially states that they're not really active in. So, for example, uh, Utah was going crazy in the last part of um, uh, the last <laughs> decade with uh, with laws that were regulating companies that had no real weren't paying attention to Utah the Utah legislature because they, they didn't even think of themselves as having any next with Utah whatsoever. So uh, let's go back. One is there's the technological problem of trying to have states regulate the Internet. Two is that state legislatures are really poor um, uh, at coming up with Internet uh, regulation. They don't know what they're doing. There's not the same kind of counterbalance um, and other defects at the the state level. And so uh, the final point I put out there, and this is a hypothesis, and maybe your listeners can help me. I'm going to put on a hypothesis that there's never been a beneficial state-level regulation of the Internet that state legislators have passed dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of laws trying to regulate the Internet, and not one of them has actually been useful. Um, some of them may not have been harmful. Some of them may overlap with federal regulation in a way that makes them effectively invisible. But in terms of ways the states have tried to regulate the Internet, my hypothesis to your listeners, never actually been useful. Now, what about the California data breach laws, for example? I mean, we well, so never... first of all, you Go ahead. You've got the Internet issue. Uh, is that really an Internet legislation? So maybe we're, we're going to be talking about apples and oranges there. Um, the data breach legislation, I have a number of uh, concerns about that, um, starting with the basic premise that in many cases these laws are designed to tell users what happened in ways that users can't actually do anything about it. So they give more information to users that users – uh, that baffle users, um, and we've seen this over and over again, that users will be told, I got this notice, I didn't know what to do with it, but I was scared. 
So just at that level alone, I would start with the, the question, do those laws actually help consumers in ways that uh, the consumers value? If not, that's a problem. Um, but but I, we might still be quibbling whether that's a, an Internet regulation or not. Okay. I mean, I just think there was some value to it because if you look at Choice Point, that would never have been known but for California's you know, disclosure law. Well, there are other ways to do it. And so some state uh, data breach laws, for example, require notification to the attorney general or to some uh, government official, not uh, to the consumers at large. Um, and so if the concern is that we want uh, to have um, – uh, we want to have uh, uh, these uh, uh, big data breaches uh, um, better known. Um, there are a number of ways to solve that problem, not uh, necessarily just involving uh, informing consumers. So we only have a, a few minutes left. I know you, you got, your time is tight. Um, what do you see as like the next big thing in in this space? Uh, which space are we talking about? In the internet space. Well, let me tell you one of the things that I'm tracking, um, and that's such a pretty, uh, that's such a capacious question. I'm sure we could come up with dozens of interesting answers to it. Um, the thing that I'm seeing most is that we're uh, we're seeing um, laws that are trying to regulate social media, some subset of the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to say, we're going to come up with a Facebook-specific law. Um, and those laws are just so poorly conceived, um, so uh, um, uh, impossible to succeed because uh, they are um, uh, trying to come up with legal precision for concepts like social media that are not possible to distinguish from other aspects of the Internet. And I'll mention two examples. I blasted California for drafting the law that said that employers couldn't uh, demand the social media um, uh, login credentials from employees. I think that's a great concept. I think it's ridiculous when employers ask uh, their employees for that Mm -hmm. data. On the other hand, uh, the uh, the definition of social media basically said it was all online and offline electronic data. Now, that's not my definition of social media, not even close. Um, it was so over-inclusive because they didn't know how to define the actual problem. The other example I'll mention is the, the proposed legislation uh, introduced uh, by a senator in Minnesota um, to uh, provide special protection for cloud computing. And the definition of that read like brochureware. It was something that uh, the cloud computing inventors might talk about, how it's fast and scalable. Whatever. You're like, what are you talking about? How in the world can you have a criminal uh, statute that's predicated on a definition that's marketing brochureware from a vendor? <laughs> brochureware. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was the um, Amy Noblock, Noblock's law proposal in the U.S. Senate? Yes. And um, so I, I, I guess it, it is an interesting point, and uh, um, I'm sure it's something we're going to be hearing more about over t- as time. Um, but I do think you're going to see a lot of states copying the California law. In fact, California is copying, I believe, what, Maryland? They're, they're the third state to adopt the social media law, and I think that's, that's going to f- follow, of course, a number of states unless Congress does something. But um, once again, I want to thank you. Now, if people wanted to find your blog or find more about your, your high-tech center at Santa Clara, what's the best way for them to find that? Uh, so the best place to uh, follow me is actually at Twitter. I'm uh, the alias Eric Goldman. Uh, that's the super site of all the things I post online. Uh, but my blog is at blog.ericgoldman.org, or uh, my Forbes blog is at blogs dot forb dot com slash eric goldman and uh, we welcome people to come check out what we're doing at the high tech law institute at san clear university uh, we've got a lot going on that's high tech law dot scu dot edu 
And if you're in the space and you're not reading Eric's blog, you're missing a lot. So, Eric, it's always a pleasure. Thank you again. Hello, this is Bennett Kelly. Welcome back. And um, we have um, – that was Eric Goldman once again. And uh, it's always great to have Eric. He's uh, he's a um, he's legend in this field and, and um, his insights are very helpful. But um, on our next half hour, we're going to – give you the future of e-commerce. We're going to show you how to look inside the um, your e-commerce store um, in ways that you haven't been able to do. Um, and actually, we, we have our guest ready now, and um, his name is Hidar Paz, and um, he has, what I think, one of the, the hot innovations I've seen in e-commerce lately, and it's um, how to look inside your store. And then... Um, Actually, if you're if you're listening, um, you want to go to to see a demo. You want to go to inside.tm, and you'll just see how um, this product works. Since um, I don't know if we'll do it justice um, describing it um, on the on the on the radio. Hey, are you with us? Yes, I am. I want to thank you for joining us. Um, thank you very much for having me, Bennett. And. Um, Hadar recently has just recently relocated from Australia, where um, you know, Inside was was first launched with a company called Powerfront, right? That's correct. I want you to tell us a little bit about Powerfront. Okay, so Powerfront is um, a digital agency. Um, we we um, have offices in Melbourne and Sydney and in Indonesia, and now we're expanding to the US. And. Well, um, how did you guys get started in Australia? What, what, what type of services do you provide? Okay, so we, 12 years ago, we, start, we started, uh, we, uh, we, we created a CMS, uh, Content Management System, and uh, um, an e-commerce platform. And uh, we've um, started to build ourselves there and uh, did a very good job, got reference, ref- referred from one client to another, and... And uh, today we, we're looking after Nike, Toys R Us, um, uh, various others, uh, other, other big labels. Uh, Guess is using the system there, uh, Nine West, and about three, four hundred other um, uh, organizations. So very proud. There's 50 people there. It's not a big agency, but um, doing a great job with bringing the state of the art uh, technology to all these customers. Now, um- you know, in, if I go to, I guess in some ways, one way to describe your, your new product inside would be if I went to a high-end store and you know there was like a personal shopper there to greet me. Is that is that kind of how, what you're trying to achieve in inside? Yes. Um, so 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 inside is basically allowing giving giving you the the owner of the site. It doesn't necessarily have to be e-commerce. It could be any site. Um, it gives you a visualization um, uh, um, screen, uh, monitor, so so you can actually see the website. So we have a feed coming from your website, and then we translate that, that to avatars walking around a space in three D, if you wish. So you have um, you all of a sudden see um, uh, your store or your website live, and you can actually see what is going on in a very different way than what you used to. You see, in the past, uh, past every or until now, uh, everybody's looking at reports. So the only way to see usage on your site is by looking at 
reports, and it's always in the past. It's never kind of right now. So inside gives you what is going on in your site right now, as as and then you can see it live. And uh, and the value to your clients in that is was what 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 do they gain by having that visualization? Okay, so imagine you have a let's talk about e-commerce. So you have a store, you have a physical store there, right? And uh, you've got a customer walking into the store. First of all, every store will greet you, right? That's not happening online. Every if you see a customer looking around and and you can see that they cannot find what they're looking for, you will approach them and say, "Hey, sir, can or madam, can I help you?" Um, this is not happening online. Um, everybody's left to deal with a machine, really. So we have we have uh, and 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 we have done 400 sites. So we we're well aware of uh, of what how far we could push the uh, push the technology. So what what happened is that what you got online is a, a very low conversion rate. So you got anything between one to three percent. If you're lucky, you have more than that, but no more than five, I would say. Uh, if it's a specific, if it's a very niche industry, you might have more. Business to business has a beer, has a higher conversion, but in a in a bricks and mortar store, in a, a retailer down the street will have twenty thirty percent conversion. So twenty thirty times more than online. So we 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 looked for ways to empower our customers and see and get them more business, basically get them to make more money. So and we we looked for anything we could find with tradition with with e-commerce, with all the functions and all the gimmicks and all the whatever we did, we squeezed everything to the limit and we could not. We could not climb up with the conversion, so then we started to look at the differences between the um, bricks and mortars and online, and we gone into the uh, what we call the human factor, the presence, the, the present or the right now. So when you look at the store that has that looks like a store, you're starting to think traditionally with your retail techniques, and you can actually see things that you cannot see in a report. For example, give another example. Um, um, you can see, in, uh, if you if if our if our listeners are going to Inside OTM, they can kind of see how how this works, and um, you can see straight away uh, repeated visitors, first time visitors, people that are logged in, members, international visitors, um, feeds from social networks, everything happening in one screen. So that gives you an holistic view of your store that that triggers you to act very differently. Now, this, this inside system allows you to actually interact with your customers. So you can click on one of those avatars and start chat. And, and that's increasing. Uh, and just by, and, and when you chat to them, because of the view that you had and because you can see what they're looking at and you, can, you almost know them already, the chat is very different to just getting, starting a chat from a, from, a, from a list and the next customer along without any information about that customer. And um, what has been the response rate to that, you know, that type of mechanism? So what what we're seeing is we're seeing a, um, enormous uh, uh, improvement in conversion. So some some get to ten, twenty times more conversion. So for example, if a customer is looking at a jacket, and uh, if if you say instead of "Can I help you today?" Uh, if you would say, for example, this jacket is uh, one of our best sellers. It's designed in the 
Japan made by, made uh, with the best fabric from Kashmir or whatever you, you know and and I am the you know I'm the the store manager and I'm I'm actually in the New York store and the store is empty so I'm here to help you if you need anything let me know just that greeting uh, will convert so much more because the customer we suddenly connecting the online uh, experience with the with a with a bricks and mortar experience which is the store and that does wonders. So we we're already seeing with all the people that with all the customers that are using the inside right now enormous improvement in conversion. And um, I mean, what what is the high end of the the range that you've seen? I've seen uh, I've seen uh, one of our customers is doing normally three and a half percent conversion, and I've, and I'm that they're now on fifty four percent conversion with the with the customers they approach through inside. That's so amazing. Every, yeah, it's unbelievable. One of every two customers end up buying, but that that would that could be because of uh, also a high because of the niche. You know, the, these this customer, for example, selling ballet suits and shoes and dancing. So that 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 is a little bit of a niche, and that gives them a, a bit of a, a better better performance. But still, the the improvement is 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 amazing, it's, it's, especially for you know for more complex purchase. Where you really need a bit of advice, you know that that is phenomenal. Now, um, you mentioned that. So, on the Bali, for example, you, you say a more complex purchase, um, but it's also that type of purchase, um, a higher end type purchase. Is that something where people are going to be more responsive to, uh, you know, a customer service approach, or um, do you think you know, the other? Or even lower end products doing having the same kind of um, turnaround. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that you will have imp- uh, you will improve your your conversion with any kind of uh, customer online customer service. That's for sure. It's more uh, more than ever now. Uh, everybody's open for that. There's less. There's much less rejection. The new. Um, we're all looking for the human factor in, in, in the machine now. I mean, look at the social networks. How it's it's exploded. Only because now a computer is no more just a machine; it's actually a communication, a very, a very efficient communication tool that connects you to other people. And now I think there's a there's a lot to be unveiled and discovered with the uh, with connecting uh, through even with commerce. And um, you know, for people thinking about jumping in the space, you do have a, a patent pending, correct? Correct, correct. We are, uh, yeah, absolutely. So we are, as, as far as I know, the only, only one that came up with this. Um, we've uh, documented, and it's getting through the normal, you know, the normal cycle of a patent in, in a number of countries. Um, and it's, you know, it's very exciting. We we can see, you know, uh, people are, are really excited about that. We've just been in conferences uh, in, in Chicago, in New York, and uh, the response is amazing. People love it. People understand it. You know, a retailer looking at that can straight away understand what they're looking at. There's no need to sift through menus and reports and, you know, um, for hours to get a bit of information, which is anyway, anyway too late, you know. Um, well, we're going to take a short break, um, but when we come back, we're going to be talking to Hit Our Paths. And um, the website, again, is inside.tm if you want to see the demo and see what it is that we're talking about. After these messages, um, you're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report. Stay tuned for more of the Cyberlaw and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. 
How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back. This is Bennett Kelly, and for the last stretch of Cyber Law and Business Report this week, and we have Heather Paz, um, and he's talking about this remarkable new product, Inside. Now, Heather, your your background is uh, you, you started your career in Israel, correct? Correct. And then you ventured, um, I'm not sure if it would be west or east. <laughs> <laughs> but you went um, definitely south to, um, to Australia, uh, where, where you launched uh, Powerfront, and you both, com- you know, the, Israel has a, a strong um, tech startup community going now, and it seems that we're seeing a lot of uh, activity in Australia. And you know, for those listening here in the states, you know, how would you describe the, the tech communities in both countries? Well, okay. Um... You know, to be honest, uh, I wasn't that exposed, much exposed to the Israeli tech community. Um, I know that they're, they're very talented, extremely active. There's a lot of startups going on there. There's a lot of American, <clears throat> American companies such as Microsoft, Intel, um, uh, Google, Google. The entire analytics um, division of Google sits in Israel. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on there. They're, they're, they're really very... I think they're very, very driven, extremely driven uh, for innovation, uh, in te- in, especially in IT. Um, and it could be because of the way, you know, the, the, the way things are going there. Like you, you, if you grew up in Israel, you, you would, at 18 years old, finish your high, your high school, you would go to the army. There's no uh, kind of uh, the flexibility or the freedom to go to university then or college. Uh, 
you have to go to the army, and then the army, you, you basically um, getting another three years of very sp- special kind of education. That I don't know, it's I don't know, it's making people more driven than in some ways. Uh, um, you know, because they're always they're kind of like having a, a late start. Do you know what I mean? So um, they're trying to uh, do as much as they can in a very fast, in a very. And also, the army is a, is a great. Um, uh, is a great incubator uh, to a lot of uh, engineers over there. So, like also myself, you know, I had no choice but but to you know to join the the, the computers thing. I was supposed to be. I had a choice whether I'm going to be a a chef or a chef or a, or an a computer programmer. So I've chosen computer program, but that's. And then I had no choice but to continue on and develop, and then, and then I fell in love with that. That's, that was phenomenal. So I think the the I think Israel is is really uh, is really ahead, leaps and bounds ahead. It's just doing fantastic stuff. In Australia, is um, um, uh, also there's a lot going on. I think a lot going on in New Zealand as well. And um, I think the way I see it, um, Israel is more like in the core technology. Uh, into development um, environments, into uh, really um, beginners of technologies rather than uh, rather than making solutions and applications. You know, they starting everything, and then the world is picking it up and making wonderful things with that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, um, ICQ was one of the first um, you know first innovations there in, on, in 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 chatting, and that that has been you know that is uh, kind of the ancestors of Facebook, you know, so um, it's all starting there and they're moving, moving forward. Australia is more like a solution, solutions and creators and they've got beautiful, beautiful and, and amazing you know, apps coming out from there and, you know, um, so I would say that's the main difference really. And, um, and now you, you've, 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 how long have you been in Southern California? Only eight months. And how do you find that, that you know, that everyone's buzzing now about Silicon Beach? Yeah, and, yeah, and how are you finding that environment? Yeah, that's that's crazy. It's uh, it's more and more uh, is happening down here, um, uh, and uh, there's so many events and so many companies are, uh, you know, getting created all the time here. So startups everywhere, especially around mobile, mobile applications. Um, it's very exciting to be around here. Although I don't know if I'm that sort of connected to all this but it's uh, it's 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 great it drives drives everybody forward sure well you you, know, you often hear a lot about the word convergence and uh you know is that are you finding that more here than in any other place you've been uh not not necessarily no no uh, in fact i think that uh, coming from australia i think australia is a uh, i f- i find australia a bit uh Leading the way in terms of conversion and e-commerce, um, there's actually uh, doing it a bit better. Um, you've got here Amazon, which is changing completely the way e-commerce works, and uh, uh, you know the, the the average retailer is actually selling more on Amazon than on their own website. So that drives them to do less on their website, which I found amazing. You know, we don't in Australia don't have something like Amazon. You know, so a lot of all the commerce is done at, 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 at the at, at the individual web uh, e-commerce sites. You know, so so conversion uh, here is a bit bit confused. I mean, uh, if you get most of your revenue from Amazon, then you know, um, you're not that 
um, concern, you know, that you don't have a lot of influence or any control over conversion because it's not your site. And um, so do you think that creates a, a, a more innovation just because of that? Because they don't have... Um, you know, they don't have a, a big box retailer like Amazon to to push yeah, their goods. Absolutely. So so everybody's uh, trying to do better and better, and you and you can see uh, there's some amazing sites down there. Amazing sites. I mean, here you you know the bigger retailers here have uh, you know they have uh, they they're investing and they have uh, they've done well and you know they've got lots of features. But because for example, because I was looking after international. Like Nike and Toys R Us, we found that we managed to do, you know, more. We had, we could we, we were more innovative there than here, you know, looking after and then they looking after the same kind of company, you know. So um, I don't know what it is, but um, but 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 there's a lot more growth to to that can happen here, and you know, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to do that right now, you know, trying to uh, bring what we've done there here and start moving. Companies and retailers forward here. It's, uh, there's a lot of opportunities here. Is there much of an, an adaptation, or you know, is there any? I don't know if it's not so much cultural, but just you know, is there any? Um, is it much? Much you have to learn, really, or is it just business as business in either coast? Uh, to 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 start coming here. from Australia to here. Yeah. Well, the, the the number one problem is relationships. You need to in in our business, it's a it's a lot about relationships. You need to uh, you need to uh, uh, develop that, and that's very hard, especially coming from from another country. Um, but once you once you've proven yourself, and once you you've done a, a great job, um, you get referred, and that's how you build your business. and And if you're really really good, then that could be that could go really really fast. Um, so, um, um, if you don't have relationships, you just have no hope in, in this style of business. It's not something you can advertise, you know. Um, right. And but you, you've been fortunate, I think, in some because you know, some of your uh, clients in Australia are, are very large companies that are are based in the U.S. So that, that gave you a quick, imagine that gave uh, you a launching pad here. It's actually actually did not. Um, you'd be surprised that when you look after an international in a, one country, it does not. Give you any, any, any ticket to any free free ticket to another to the to US. It's not uh, there's very they tie into relationships with other other vendors, and it's not they they basically can't do anything. It does not mean that they need they will work with you. So that in fact did not actually help me at all. Interesting. Um, I've got to start from scratch. But but this but inside is a different story. With inside. Um, it's actually opened opening me the doors now because it's a unique product. It's no one. Uh, we're not stepping on anybody's toes. Uh, no one has done it. So in fact, it's um, uh, that's much easier to get through. Now, um, what has been the consumer response? Not not so much you know, your your clients, but the consumer response. Have you got, have they made any comments about how we like this, or are they they frankly startled the first time they're contacted? Or well, from the consumer perspective, there's no difference in any other chat online chat. They cannot tell the difference. So not yet. We are we gonna release uh, we're gonna release something very interesting soon that will give them the ability to see. Um, what's going on on the site in terms of other consumers, and we're going to try and open up a whole new space there 
for a, a social interaction with commerce. So that's yet yet to come. So that 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 I can answer you in about three months or so. <laughs> Well, we'll definitely have to have you back then. We only have a few minutes left, so why don't you tell us um, where people can find out more about um, Inside and Empowerfront? Okay, so um, uh, Inside is uh, you can go to www.inside.tm, um, and there's as you as you reach the site straight away, you'll see a demo of uh, what we're talking about. You'll see uh, an e-commerce store right in front of you, and you'll see the all the visitors in that store, and you can actually. Uh, see what's going on. Um, you can then um, um, you can then there's, there's our contact details are there. Please call us, and uh, I'll be happy to do uh, additional demos. We we're sending it through resellers, so we welcome uh, resellers to approach us. There is uh, all the information on the site, and uh, um, yeah, so we would love to hear from you. Well, um, it's been a pleasure having you, and again. Um, you know, if you, it's it's a great visualization inside TM. Definitely check it out. And uh, Padara, it's been great, it's great having you. And I hope you'll join us in a couple of months when you um, have the next uh, iteration of this really great, I think, revolutionary product. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. So we only have a few minutes left. Um, next week will be our last episode before the election, and. Um, or it's interesting to note that um, both candidates actually responded to uh, a request um, by a tech meetup in New York for how they will promote innovation. And uh, I'll be posting links to um, both candidates' responses on the blog. And um, so look forward to talking to you next week uh, at, here from Silicon Beach in California. Um, this is Bennett Keller with the Internet Law Center. Court is adjourned. Um, see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.